0: Somebody once told me, sort of, don't imagine the most exciting thing as the the decision-making factor when you're choosing what specialty to go into. Think about the average day. Think about the worst thing in in a specialty. And if you're happy dealing with with that, then the exciting stuff, you know, will take care of itself.
1: You're listening to Parallax from Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. Here is your host, Ankur Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Parallax. Um, So the guest on today's show, we've been actually wanting to do this for years on end, um, as far as I can remember. And we've exchanged emails, we've exchanged direct messages on on Twitter. Um, uh, I think it's a name that needs no introduction. A lot of us know him uh, through his prolific YouTube channel. My guest on today's show is Dr. Rohan Francis. Dr. Francis is an interventional cardiologist in Essex in the UK um, and a prolific YouTuber. Uh, so with that introduction, Rohan, thank you so much for doing this for us. And I'm excited and elated to have you on Parallax and, and welcome on the show. Oh, wow. What, a, what an intro. Well, thanks very much for inviting me. Um, Absolutely. So Rohin, uh, we're gonna get started uh, by asking you, um, you know, sort of your foray into medicine. Um, And for for those who are listening, if you do not follow Dr. Francis on Twitter, uh, I encourage that you do. Uh, And once you follow him, I encourage that you read his pinned tweet. So I'm going to use that as um, a segue to uh, answer this question uh for for our listenership the first question that i asked you rohan because you know that is such a beautiful pin tweet that you have um and it's um it's it's lighthearted it's also um it's 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 also very very cute you know for lack of a better word but but i'll have you i'll have you answer that question for us uh you know for the listenership
0: yeah i mean well the tweet you're referring to there was was um my mom passed away a few years ago and I, quite a while later i was kind of clearing out a lot of stuff um from from the house and found these old report cards from when i was about seven or eight years old um which you know in light of discoveries i've made in more recently with better awareness of kind of neurodivergence and things like that um reading back my reports from when i was a kid kind of entertaining it's just i was completely uh, you know, the report is how disruptive I was and I was naughty and, uh, couldn't concentrate, but clearly, you know, was reasonably intelligent. So, um, it was just a, a, a little Twitter kind of thread sort of wondering how my mom kind of raised me and my, my elder brother has been very in- instrumental in my journey into medicine. He's got severe learning disabilities. So. How we both presented different challenges to her and raising two boys on her own, I think would have been, um, something I would have loved to have talked to her about. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the background of, of my personality is, is a little ADHD and, and, um, chaotic, but I think that's a personality trait that, that a lot of, is common to a lot of YouTubers. So uh, I feel like I, found my my people when i started making content on youtube and uh, it's actually kind of become almost like a second career now i've been doing it seriously for three and a half almost four years and it's um actually complemented my clinical
1: life fairly well yeah no excellent answer very insightful and you know before i um you know dissect and sort of parse through your journey into being a serious youtuber um, what I want to ask you is, um, as you were growing up with your mom and your elder brother, and you know, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, those personal details with us. Um, w- at what point in time were you convinced that you wanted a career in in STEM, you know, science, tech, um, uh, and and engineering, and and, and math? Did I did I get that right? Um, well, there, there are different versions. There's
0: STEM and STEAM and STEM with two M's because medicine is in the original STEM. Medicine's not actually there. It's math, as you said. So, um, but yes, science in general, very early on, I was, I was a very sciencey kid. I, I really excelled at science and, um, I actually, you know, enjoyed lots of subjects, but, but that definitely was my area. But medicine, I, in my head, I remember it that, I pretty much last minute made the decision to apply to medical school because my best friend was and I didn't know what to do. And he was, just, I was sitting next to him and I said, oh, yeah, OK, I'll do medical school as well. I think in, in reality, I probably gave it more forethought than that. But unusually for an Indian household, my mom was very keen for me not to do medicine and really tried to put me off because I think she had seen uh, her sister work really, really hard and felt that uh, it was a it was a it was a hard life to go into and um so it was kind of unusual it was the reverse of the usual stereotype but uh i i however i made the decision i think it, it definitely made a lot of sense because i liked that scientific stuff but i was also you know quite fond of people and um had lots of other interests so i think medicine offers that that uh balance of lots of different disciplines and lots of different skills i think it's a, a really good choice
1: yeah so that, that that's um that's good to know i think for a lot of us uh, the seeds for medicine or science you know so as you said are sown very early on you know perhaps in middle school or you know in for, for some of us in high school um and then um it's interesting you you bring up um your mother's uh, you know, rather lack of interest to put you into medicine, because uh, you know, for a lot of the guests who've been on the show, and you know, also you know, friends and and family members who I, I'm, I'm obviously talking about my perspective here, but you know, who have been who or who are in medicine or have a career in medicine, um, it was a lot of positive reinforcement from you know their own households. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that you were sort of going upstream, you know, not sort of downstream. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the irony is I was being rebellious and ended up doing the
0: most cliched Indian thing imaginable. So, uh, things tend to
1: work out in a funny way. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually, it's actually a quotable quote, you know, the most, uh, cliched Indian thing possible, which is <laughs> become a doctor and get into, um, and, and, and a cardiologist
0: from what I understand about demographics in America. Um, that's, uh, that's, there's quite a lot of indians in cardiology i, I understand
1: absolutely i mean i think if uh, you know a, a brown man from a country called india lands on the east coast or the west coast and uh, you know somehow uh, you know belongs to a career in medicine then you know the the saying is that oh it's another brown uh, brown indian kid who wants to be a cardiologist you know and that and that um, what, what, why do you think that is i've never actually
0: got an answer
1: uh, I think this is a question I actually asked Ajay, uh, you know, Dr. Kiratane when he was on the show. I think I believe this was season one, and um, uh, you know, he, um, I, I think he was honest about the answer, and I, you know, I think it, it definitely is a branch, you know, no, no question. It's it's very. I mean, there are other fields, uh, you know, also in within uh, medicine that that pay you well, but but I think with cardiology, uh, there is a certain uh, glamour, sure. you know, for lack of a better word, associated with it there is that, there is that, um, um, you know, social fabric and and status. And also back in, you know, also like the, the score, the, the, burden and the scourge of disease back in, back home is, is immense. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think when you become a cardiologist and, you know, more, I mean, there's, there's also, you can go on, you can go on to extrapolate that why that Brown kid would then land up in interventional cardiology, not only in cardiology. Um, You know, it's uh, again. You know, there is uh, that certain reverence that the public associate associate um, um, you know oneself with. If you end up saving the life of a loved one, you know, whether it's in the you know most more more likely than not back home in the throes of a heart attack, that you certainly gain that reverence and and that stature in in society. And you know, I think that that is very infectious for kids when they see their uh, you, you know either their relatives or their parents in that role, it, it, it's sort of very, it's, it's very infectious. It, it sort of attracts you. Um, so I, so I think he's, a, that's, that's how he answered it. I thought it was a fair, it was a very honest answer. And, you know, also it, it pays you well. So uh, there's the social status, there's the glamour, and then there's the economic value, um, which, which is, which is a, a difficult combination to sort of um, compete with, um, you know, so I think that's why a lot of us, uh, you know, tend to gravitate toward cardiology and even within cardiology procedural cardiology, Um, which actually brings me to, to my next question is at at one point, at what point was, was cardiology the answer for you? I mean, was it in medical school? Was it in residency? When was it? Um, It was the answer was the heart,
0: probably fourth year medical school. I I did um, a cardiology placement, which I absolutely loved and had some fantastic teachers, real kind of old school consultants who who spent you know an hour just talking to me about the JVP and things like that so r- really had a fantastic introduction but you know you'd kind of already hinted at it I was very keen on doing things with my hands so I just kind of assumed that surgery would be the route I'd go down and I thought I was going to be a cardiac surgeon and, and s- sort of started down that path and then a couple of years out of medical school decided to uh, to switch to uh, to cardiology well, not maybe not a couple of years w- within the first year so i kind of did a little bit of surgery but um I didn't get too far down that line and actually the main reason i switched was getting to know cardiac surgeons which sounds awful I against them but seeing the lifestyle they had particularly the the trainees who were closer to my level um they just really well being flogged you know really working like crazy and of course cardiology is not a walk in the park but it felt like it was less toxic like cardiac surgery still had a lot of you know very old fashioned hierarchical kind of um bullying that, that i i saw and i just didn't feel that the the, the i guess they would have been the equivalent of residents and and fellows one of them had been fully qualified as a consultant level, so you know, as an attending, but had been waiting on a job for years, and I just thought this is this is a, a very tough line to choose, and so I switched. And obviously, then if you come from a surgical background, interventional cardiology is is the most logical, and it was just a perfect fit, and I, I, I was really pleased to be able to maintain the kind of general medical internal medicine. Um, kind of knowledge and and thought processes that go into being a physician. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't have no complaints at all. I, I definitely landed up in, in the right field.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up cardiac surgery and, and fourth year of medical school, because that's where I pivoted as, as well. Um, you know, yeah, just uh, the podcast, which was aired uh, just previous to this one for the listenership, you know, and I think this was a guest episode where I actually was being interviewed by a medical student from, from Neomed. Uh, and he asked me this question as to when, when was it that it was cardiology for you? I answered exactly the way you did. That was, it was cardiac surgery for me. And, you know, for me, the reason to sway away from surgery was, although, I mean, like, like yourself, I love, still love doing things with my hands. Um, I, that's sort of like, you know, it gives you the, the feeling that you have actually quote unquote done something uh, for the patient that you're taking care of. Uh, I think more importantly for me, uh, I, I, I found that I was lacking the excitement of, of um, and th- again, nothing against our surgeons or surgical colleagues. You know, like you said, it's a skillful field. It requires a lot of hours. It requires a ton amount of skill uh, and, and experience. Um, for me, it just felt that I was lacking the uh, the cognitive excitement behind uh, what I was experiencing when I was in, in internal medicine wards. Um, and you know, coming up with a diagnosis, you know, solving that puzzle, uh, going through the yeah. algorithms, uh, you know. So I thought, okay, well, if I if I enjoy the algorithms and and the problem solving and the and the uh, and the decision making and, and arriving upon a diagnosis, and then if I do also want to uh, do things with my own hands, uh, you know, and like yourself, for me, heart was always where I gravitated toward, even in medical school. Then I said, you know, I think interventional cardiology is it for me. So. It's it's pretty interesting how you know how in sync our thought processes were at at that stages of our lives. It, it's fascinating to me. But thank you for sharing that with me.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I I was very lucky to do um, six months with the transplant team. Uh, once I'd already become a cardiology trainee, but I there was a kind of very nice working pattern. So we kind of cross covered the, the surgeons and um, worked together quite closely. And so this was now several years on from me being in theatre. And then I got to scrub in with the heart transplants, which I never had done before. And I did have that pang of like, oh, did I make the right decision? Like, this is so cool. Um, and really, I just I thought that was just one, one of the most amazing experiences um, to to witness all that taking place. But then you have to remind yourself, well, if you want to be a transplant surgeon, then you're, you know, limiting yourself to in the UK, just five or six centers. And you've got to basically wait until somebody retires. So I, I keep having to remind myself of these other factors. And I think that's a useful point for junior doctors, because somebody once told me sort of don't imagine the most exciting thing as the the decision making factor when you're choosing what specialty to go into think about the average day think about the worst thing in in a specialty and if you're happy dealing with with that and you know what whatever you feel that is and whether that's a sort of patient with limited treatment options or, or something like that if you are happy dealing with all those humdrum kind of everyday things then the exciting stuff you know will take care of itself so i think that was useful advice that Yes, there is some amazing experiences in any field, but they're few and far between. And and most fields of medicine are get pretty routine. That's just natural. And that was another reason why. The other thing that I was considering very seriously was intensive care, and I really still enjoy it a lot. But I felt like you know, a lot of the patients started to feel a bit similar, and uh, I felt like. um, maybe it would not be quite as exciting after five, 10 years, but for me.
1: Yeah, no, um, great, um, you know, insights into, um, you know, g- crucial pivotal decisions on how to, uh, decide upon which paths to take in your career and, you know, where your passion is. And that's actually a great advice. I never thought of kind of like thought of it that way, but, you know, I think for those of you who are listening, um, if you can deal with the worst day or an average day, then you know the exciting part of that that specialty or that subspecialty is gonna take care of itself. I think that's that's a great tip. Um so thank you for for sharing that with us. Now um what is it so well, first off, um when was it that you um stumbled upon for lack of a better word, uh into foring into youtube uh was it during your training as a cardiologist or i mean what i'm getting at is wh- what was the motivation to upload like your first video on youtube or your first content on youtube what, what was what led to that in in your life mm. that you, you you decided you know what i'm just going to upload this on youtube
0: yeah i mean i can remember it very clearly because i've always kind of um uh, done. I mean, I've done a little stand-up comedy, not a, a lot, but I, I've I've always enjoyed kind of telling jokes and stuff. And even when I would do presentations in a kind of serious setting, I'd still make it quite light-hearted. And and so I, I've always enjoyed giving kind of geeky humor joke uh, talks. And then one of my friends, who himself was is a scientist and is involved in sort of science communication which is the term that's been given to all the careers that encompass communicating science to, to whether that's to the public or other scientists or whatever and he was quite active in this field and he said you know why don't you just film yourself doing one of these talks and put it on YouTube and so I didn't quite do that I made a, a dedicated YouTube video but it, the idea was I didn't have to think of at all because I'd had this in mind for ages. This really cool idea that I I would you know bore people at parties probably. I thought I was being very sparkling and um, interesting, but they probably got bored. But I had this. Uh, it was about Leonardo da Vinci and the heart and how da Vinci had studied the flow of water and had come up with this idea that the same vortices which form go, as water goes through a, a narrow space also form coming through the aortic valve and that's why you have the sinus of valsalva to allow these vortices to form and that to actually actively shut the valve preventing any aortic regurgitation and I, I'd, I'd read this a few years ago and i just you know it really blew my mind but it's quite a niche kind of you've got to be quite interested in some niche areas to find that interesting and i i just thought i'm going to make a video on this so i made it quite short and sweet and um you know it found an audience so it was just immediate that's the wonderful thing about uh a lot of creating content on social media is you can get immediate feedback and um it's not the same for all media actually one of my friends is a fellow podcaster like you and contrasted that sometimes with a podcast you don't get that immediate feedback but youtube you know twitter where where instantly people can comment and say this is terrible or whatever um it's it becomes a bit of a you know it's a bit of a drug and and you kind of that that incentivizes you to to do more, but um the background to all of this was that I used to think that I I would have a bit of a career in sort of medical journalism. So y- years ago, I was quite a active writer, and I sort of wrote in my student paper and edited that and everything, and um was quite serious about it and wrote for various different publications. But then just kind of let it all fall by the wayside during my training, which is fair enough. You know, I was concentrating on being a junior doctor, but um, I've always had that desire to, I guess, tell a story. And uh, so that was the, the background to all of this. And and I've just, you know, I've got no shortage of topics to cover because I think there are so many interesting things to to talk about, whether it's policy, whether it's science, whether it's medical history. So that's the great thing about running your own, Channel, channel or social media account is you can just talk about whatever you want
1: yeah which uh, which brings me to, to the next question and that is um, you know for those of us who have um, like active social media accounts and you know following upwards of ten 10,000 followers on for example Twitter and I'm, I'm sure I mean you have a huge following on YouTube um, and you know before I get into more of like the the nuts and bolts of content development and how you how do you keep up with it and and what is your your underlying motivation to keep uploading and and keep going before i get there I, I do wanted to ask you this question and that is are you um are you conscientious of the 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 kind of tweets you're tweeting or or the kind of content you're putting out there i mean is there are you and and wh- what i mean by that is do you let your complete personality to show on social media versus being very selective on, no, I'm, I want to portray myself as X, Y, and Z, and I'm only going to let that facet of my personality shine on, on the, on the social media accounts. And the reason I ask is, you know, more sort of like an introspective question for myself, because, you know, I, I, I am, I am myself on social media, like a hundred percent, like I have a, I have a facet to me, which is very artistic. So I would, you know, tweet like poetry and I would tweet, um, you know, like philosophical thoughts. And, but I, you know, I also, obviously am uh, I'm a clinician researcher or, or a clinician scientist. And, you know, whenever there is a, a paper that I've published or, uh, you know, original research, I will be very, very methodical and very scientific in, in portraying that and, and putting that out there, you know, whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I've I've questioned I mean, not that I've questioned, I think I I'm I am i I'm I'm fairly fine. I personally am fairly fine with both facets of mine. I think that's who I am and that's what I'm portraying, very honestly. Um but I've wondered if if people would think otherwise, you know, as if okay, he's okay, here's here's this person who uh is writing about is, is romanticizing poetry and is writing these deep philosophical poetic verses and you know and, and has published a book of poetry, but then he can also. He's also publishing these papers on on cardiology and you know in in, the, in all these journals. And um, what do you? Th- I mean, as as someone who would be receiving these on the other end, you think people would embrace both facets, or is that something that you've consciously thought about? Like, no, I'm I'm a cardiologist and I'm only going to let that facet of mine shine on social media. Oh
0: no, for sure. I, I mean. I- I understand if some people approach social media in that way and there are lots of our mutual friends whose accounts are unfailingly professional and, you know, purely, um, you know, cardiology, kind of almost more like a LinkedIn kind of personality. And I understand why. And, and, and sometimes there have been anecdotes where there have been, you know, problems and and they've had their fingers burnt and so that's fine but for me I feel like you really get the most out of social media and believe me I'm as positive as negative about social media I think there are pros and cons but I certainly you know for me it's been a definite net positive Uh, I think you get the most out of it if you're if you are yourself and absolutely um, I think who you See online is is or who you get online is oh, what I'm trying. am mangling the the idiom here, but what you see is what you get uh with regard to my personality online. And I think the whole success of the channel has been because I have put a bit of personality into it. Because the information I'm giving, I'm sure you can find in other places. I, I do try to be a bit different with the topics I cover. I don't just do sort of basic explainers. I try and take interesting angles on things but you know i've had videos where i've dressed up in like period costume to pretend to be sort of william harvey talking about the cardiovascular system in the 16th century or 17th century and um uh you know done all kind of silly things like that and it's just it's it's fun and i do think in the back of my mind if a patient saw this would they be shocked would they be you know like disappointed or anything, I don't think anything that I do would, you know, they would see that we're human beings too. The interesting aspect of all of this, I think, and has become more apparent in the pandemic, is sometimes I am a bit alarmed by people's personalities online, because they'll really uh, lose their temper and, you know, and start arguing uh, with colleagues in, in really quite unpleasant ways. And I'm just a bit surprised um, that that they're doing all this publicly and this can be seen. And and we all know stories of people who have come unstuck and said something a bit unsavory online. And I think uh, tempers get very heated. So, you know, you are sort of querying if somebody saw you posting poetry, would they feel that you're not a serious doctor? I, I think that's unlikely. I think people can, can appreciate everybody has different interests, but I think if you're tweeting really kind of, um, very not i wouldn't say extreme i don't because extreme suggests uh, maybe something a bit different but if you're posting quite derogatory terms about a different group you know so obviously what i'm getting at here is a lot of political kind of um um related stuff and people are, are saying quite quite disinhibited things online and i'm a bit surprised so i i think of course be yourself but I always do think potential patients and it is, this was brought home to me quite recently because a, a doctor, a, a patient told me had been looking me up online and just just last week. So um, people do it. You know, they, they will they will check you up. They will see what you're like. Why not? I mean, if someone's going to do some high risk procedure on me, I want I want to know a bit about them. And you've got to be prepared for the things that you put online to be to be visible. I think. A patient might think I'm a bit of a joker, but I think um, most people wouldn't see that as a bad problem, uh, as, as a, a bad aspect of being a doctor. In fact, humor is very central, I think, to to my practice. I, I use that a lot. Some doctors are maybe um, a bit more empathetic. And uh, I, I'm, I think my strength is maybe cracking a joke or two. It's not always appropriate. I don't break bad news <laughs> with a joke, but um But a lot of the time it, you know, creates rapport. So I don't ever feel worried about what I put online. And obviously the golden rule is you just leave the patients out of it. You know, if you, if you find yourself tweeting details about a patient history or, you know, sharing identifiable information, then that's the the line in the sand you must not cross, you know, and as long as you, you don't do that, then I think, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think some people can really be very cautious about everything they put online but i think you're missing out then because it the whole point of things like twitter i mean you mentioned twitter who knows if twitter is even going to survive much longer at the moment with elon musk um demonstrating that uh expertise doesn't cross all all fields um but yes you know the great strength of twitter has been that we you know we can just get to know people like yourself and and I've, all these contacts i've made through twitter so i think it's most valuable when you're yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's been sort of my mantra on social media is that I'm, I'm just going to be my most authentic self and, um, you know, be willing to share what all facets of mine, uh, you know, as long as and uh, th- there's there's a checklist that I follow. And, you know, I think what I what I follow is, is it well, first off, you know, is it is it necessary and if it is, then, then the second thing is, is it is it true? Um, at least, you know, to me. And then if those two are checked, then, you know, the third one is, is it kind? And I, I've never hmm, yeah. um, faltered um, in any of my posts as long as I've been able to. It's a, sort of a mental checklist, right? Is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great sort of three steps to ask yourself. Um, I, I I think I would adhere to the first two the last one i i guess maybe i've developed a bit of a reputation for t- trying to take on people peddling misinformation or giving giving bad information online so sometimes i can be a little bit critical but uh so i that probably doesn't fall into the kind category but i think it's it's justified in that case but yes otherwise for sure it's it's become a bit of a cliche that the um you know uh younger doctors kind of make fun of the hashtag be kind uh because it's such a kind of banal thing but i think it is good advice you know don't don't go out to be mean to anyone
1: yeah uh which which is like the final 10 minutes of the segment here so maybe uh talk to us about you know sort of the nuts and bolts of being an active youtuber and you know are there specific days in the week where you um have you know sanctioned a few hours where you you, you've told yourself and you've set your i wish (laughs) i'm not i'm I'm not that organized no it's, it's it's totally ad hoc
0: like it's completely just whenever i get a free moment and um this year so i i made the step up to being a consultant just within the last sort of 18 months or so and um um that has brought more predictable hours you know as a as a fellow you 're doing lots more nights and everything but um obviously it 's a very different workload there's way more admin workload now and so i've found that maybe this year i 've had a bit less energy to to do youtube and i think it's very much um something where you know you have to kind of psych yourself up i 've got two young kids as well, so that 's another uh thing that i obviously I, I want to spend as much time as i can with them and you know once i've put them to bed and i've had a long day at work often it is hard to find the motivation but i think the trick is people often ask me how i sort of fit things in and the trick is just trying to do little compartmentalized little bits of it so the bit i find most enjoyable is the writing and i really enjoy just diving into a topic researching it and that might take me a month you know, of just sort of reading, making notes just every now and again. And if you enjoy it, if you're interested in the topic, then that's really not work. That just feels like you're just, you know, satisfying your curiosity. And I think a lot of people are like that. I think loads of us just have curiosity, read different books, and I've got a pile of unread books like um, like I think everybody does and uh, just sort of slowly work my way through them. It's not that much of a bigger step. If you're already doing that, if you're already sort of spending your time finding out interesting stuff to just kind of jot down some key points. And the beauty of YouTube is it's not a PhD dissertation or thesis. It's, it's, you don't have to be super in depth. You, you know, it is about summarizing the key points. And so that's the fun bit. I'll write a script. Then I will, uh, maybe think about how i want to frame it sort of you know what what kind of style of video put some jokes in the bit that i hate which is kind of odd and people find surprising um as someone who makes youtube videos is filming I, it's such a faff to set up the camera and the lights and you know i don't know my my friends like sort of make fun of the fact that i i, I literally don't do anything. Everybody else puts a bit of makeup on. And I'm like, no, I just get in front of the camera. I don't even comb my hair sometimes. I'm always in various different states of unshavenness. Um And I just get the th- filming done and then edit. Uh, and I have recently started getting some help with editing and for the last three or four videos. But up until then, I'm just doing all the editing myself. And again, that's something that I quite enjoyed learning, just learning the software and getting to to know how to edit a video, so um it's a very slow process, and I think if I listen to see most of my friends who are in YouTube are full time and you know so they see it as a business you know that it is their whole livelihood, and they just like what are you doing I mean for God's sake, outsource these these jobs you know why are you still doing everything um but I like it it's kind of like a hobby so yeah, uh, i'm it's not the most efficient uh, i'm very slow and I, at the moment i'm posting one video maybe every two or three months but um but i definitely want to keep it going and i think you know you were sort of asking more kind of generic questions about y- youtube in general and for anyone listening who you know i'm sure a lot of your listeners are uh medical students and and uh, junior doctors and certainly you know here i encounter a lot of young doctors and, and students who you know they're digital natives right that's the, the term they've grown up with this when I was at medical school YouTube didn't even exist and then so having a YouTube channel or, or something like that is is really common now but um, I feel like you've got to you sort of develop your voice. What are you trying to say? Are you just going to be exactly the same as all the other channels or, or what are you going to say that's a bit different? What what do you find really interesting? What's your passion? And just go for that. Don't try and uh, appeal to everybody. That's not the point. Just just do whatever's interesting for you. And, um, you know, there are, you can find your niche on YouTube. And I, I do feel like it is a cut above a lot of the other social media platforms um because you, you can really go in depth you know and and I, I was just saying that you it's all about sort of summarizing a topic but a lot of youtube videos are super in depth you know one hour two hour three hour videos are really popular so you'll whatever your interest whatever your audience you will find it and um i uh, would definitely recommend People having a go the one piece of advice i mean there's lots of advice but the one thing i'd say particularly for some of the younger people getting into um social media is just be obviously all the the medical um advice we've given about patient confidentiality and things like that but in terms of yourself is don't necessarily i think a lot of people overshare and they, they make their personal lives very much the The product and I don't think you should be the product and or at least think very carefully before doing that if you want to become a vlogger sharing your life then I think that you know that has ramifications that you might not be aware of um, early on and I think you just be cautious about how much of your own life you share online because people can develop quite strong parasocial relationships which is you know, they they feel like they know you, even though, you know, they've never met you. And I think that that has some some pitfalls. So I think by all means, generate content, make YouTube videos, experiment, do fun things, but just maintain that your own life away from the screen. And I've always, I mean, I, I for a start, I was significantly older than most YouTubers when I started, but. I'm very pleased that I've never kind of made it about me. It's just about medicine and science and I'm the presenter kind of thing as
1: opposed to being the product. Yeah, no, that's, um, actually very good advice. Um, I I don't think I've quite thought about it, but I I do think it's important to sort of have your own sacred space where, you know, it's only you and your loved ones and, and there's no one else. Like there is that, there's that, um, that invisible fence, um, um, and that sacred space should only be, you know, yours. And, uh, I, I couldn't agree more that a lot of these things can percolate into your personal life, uh, you know, particularly for, you know, a, a YouTuber like yourself, um, you know, which has, you know, and I mean, you, you do have screen time quite a bit. so, uh, you know, people, uh, start to relate to you and, and, and think that they know you really well in person as well. So I know that, Thank you for bringing that up. I, I actually never quite thought about it that way, but it actually makes a lot of sense. It makes complete sense. Um, well, so, you know, congratulations to, for for everything that you've done. I mean, I mean, you've got a fantastic YouTube channel. And, I, you know, for those – and YouTube now has a handle too, right? Like other social media accounts. Uh, is Is there a handle you want to – I mean, for those, I mean, I'm sure – most of the vast majority of listenership already has subscribed to your channel, but for those who haven't, um, is there a handle you want to share while you are on parallax? And, and then I'll ask you, you know, uh, some final remarks about, about parallax and, and about podcasting in general, before we close the show.
0: I, I'm med-life Crisis everywhere. So you can, you can find me on whatever, uh platform. I'm not really active on most of them except YouTube and, and Twitter, but uh I'm Medlife Crisis.
1: Okay, awesome. Uh, so Medlife Crisis is is how you can find Dr. Rohan Francis excellent content. You know, I, I encourage all of all of you to follow him. Uh, and Rohan, uh, you know, final closing remarks. Well first of all, I you know I'm flattered that you are a listener of Parallax, so thank you for that. Um sure, of course. You've had quite a few of my friends on, so it's always nice to listen to them. Yeah, no, thank you. So your remarks on, on what you think parallax is and, and how we've come along through all these years. I mean, this is season four and, you know, come 2023, it'll be season five. I think it'll be, it'll be good to hear from, um, from another creative cardiologist who, uh, you know, knows what it takes to create and, and share and be vulnerable. Uh, so I'd like to hear your comments on that. And, and then any closing remarks you have for the listenership?
0: yeah sure i mean that's a, a interesting question sort of i haven't critically appraised but cer- certainly you know I've, I've been listening from right at the beginning because i remember you saying when you started it um and I, it's great you know i think all of these things the way i think about my channel is probably the same way you think about the podcast is it's just a thing that you have made it's it's your creation you've put your yourself into it so in many ways you know if people are listening or watching, that's great. And obviously it's always nice to create something that other people are going to consume. Um, But I'm sure that it, the satisfaction of, of making something that is your own is, is kind of the main motivator. And I'm sure you have developed a lot of skills through doing this. I I've always sort of had the idea of maybe doing a podcast, but I haven't tried just, uh it's, too much to take on with everything else um so but i am i'm an active sort of listener of quite a few and i think it's quite unique in in that it's a way to get a more in-depth conversation and and so you know i mentioned a few friends but also obviously a lot of people i i didn't know that i've heard so the ones i'd probably get most value from um as a clinician is is sort of going over uh some of them the the trial summaries you've done with cirque or purvy and um then maybe you know diving into a particular topic with a, with an expert um but um you know there have been quite a few just exploring the different facets of, of different um different doctors and i think that can only be a good thing sort of bringing people uh, to life as, as three-dimensional individuals and and i'm sure people get a lot of uh, benefit from that particularly those sort of looking to get into the field
1: yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, that, that certainly means a lot to me. And, you know, I'm sure, um, you know, the, the people that you've mentioned, you mentioned Sukham. I'm, I'm actually going to write to him shortly because it's, uh, you know, come. It's that time again. It's that time of the year again where we have to <laughs> summarize everything cardiology in 2022. Um, uh, but no, thank you so much, Rohan, for being here and for sharing your journey uh, into being a cardiologist and, and being a YouTuber and. You know, from all of us at Parallax, we wish you the very best. Uh, from anyone who, you know, everyone who has listened and who keeps listening, thank you so much. It, it means the world to us that you listen. We are very receptive to your feedback, uh, and we actively incorporate your feedback into content development. So if you have anyone who you think we should feature, please write to us, and we'll be more than happy to bring that cardiologist on board. Again, rate us and review us on various social media platforms, um, whether it's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And uh, we'll be back again uh, one of these Mondays with another guest. So thank you for listening. And thanks again, Rohan. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Anker.
0: We hope you enjoyed
1: today's podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. We aim to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology every second week. Review us on your favorite podcast app or send your comments or questions to podcast at radcliffe-group.com. To view the series, head to RadcliffeCardiology.com forward slash podcasts forward slash parallax. Thanks for
0: listening.